Time for the Global Threat Report, uh, sponsored by Global Threat Solutions, the 100% veteran-owned Long Island-based security investigations firm, offering uh, so much, ladies and gentlemen, armed and unarmed uh, security services, residential patrol services. Uh, Just to give you a few, fully licensed private investigations firm, offering comprehensive uh, private investigations, by the way. Uh, Contact Global Threat Solutions for peace of mind and uncertain times, 646 Nine four six sixty six forty nine. You go to the website, check it all out. Globalthreatsolutions.com. Uh, of course, the leader of the company, and of course, the great captain's brief heard on Saturday mornings at eleven uh, with Tom Evans uh, is the aforementioned captain Ken Bombay. And we welcome you, sir. How are you? How you doing, Jay? Thanks for having me on today. It is great having you, sir. I'm going to start out with uh, the. Current president, the former president, patrolling the borders yesterday, although one area uh, not of a threat. Uh, you can guess which one visited there. Uh, but this uh, all uh, in relation to the gruesome murder of Lake and Hope Riley last week, Cap. Uh, the University of Georgia student down for a jog on a Sunday and just brutally, and I mean brutally murdered uh, by an individual who should never have been allowed into this country to begin with. And that sets off a firestorm of conversation. Uh, I myself am not letting go of this. Yeah, yeah, this is, and unfortunately, Jay, what's going to happen is we're going to see more of this. You know, we've let so many people, literally millions of people, into this country. And now you're going to see these incidents like we have already pop up around the country. And it's just going to become more and more of an issue as we lead into this presidential election. And, of course, yesterday when they went to the border, um, President Biden went someplace where they had very few people crossing so that there was good optics for him there. Everything was very controlled. But it's, I think it's um, far too little too late what he's trying to do. It's been three years of people begging him to come to the border to see what the problems are and to try and fix these. And now right in the months leading up to the presidential election, all of a sudden, it's a congressional problem, and that's why there's security issues at the border, and that's why he decided to visit. But honestly, I don't think it made much of an impact yesterday. Yeah, not a lot. And, of course, we all knew what Biden was going to do. He was going to view an area that's uh, obviously not of a threat, Brownsville, that is. Of course, Trump was an eagle pass where it is a threat. Uh, but then he gave, you know, the the old press conference that said, you know what, we have an agreement on the table, bipartisan I invite Trump uh, to to you know to be with me, blah 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 blah, uh, and the beat goes on, and uh, thus you know like he did with East Palestine, uh, a little late in the game, a little late in the game, Cap. He heads to the border for only the second time, and really uh, nothing done. I think Americans are on to this right now. Uh, this is the number one issue, number one issue by far, uh, usurping the economy and. Uh, criminal activity uh, in general, but this is the number one issue as far as immigration. Uh, People are threatened by this. Uh, Our kids who go out uh, for an evening or maybe a walk, uh, you know, you you think about this now. You think about it. My daughter, you know, takes walks all the time. And uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, I'm nervous. I'm very nervous about it. Uh, Nothing's being done about it. And it's about time that they fix this thing. It's, it's that of common sense. It's not about staying with party or anything else. It's about staying with country 
and allowing citizens to be safe and to make sure that these types of monsters do not infiltrate our land. Sorry. Halt the border right away. Halt it. How do you do it? Title 42. Made in Mexico. Catch and release. A lot of ways to do it without congressional approval here, Cap. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. I mean, and I have to tell you, Jay, it seems like I think Republicans are are missing a step here when he constantly tries to put blame this. It's it's kind of ridiculous, not only on Congress, but blame it on Republicans who have been fighting and demanding for security at the border for over three years now. And to turn around at this stage, it just seems like they don't push back enough when he says this is a, we need congressional action to fix the border. When, you know, if you look at these statistics, it was an immediate spike when he came into office and his administration took over and they made changes. Um, one of them they changed was the Remain in Mexico policy, which probably the biggest policy change that he made that created this entire crisis right now. He clearly made all of these changes unilaterally. They, all of the, none of these were through Congress. All of these were through executive orders or just policy changes under Mayorkas. So why, if you can make all those changes and create this crisis that's occurring, can't you just reverse those changes without Congress in any way the same way you created it? Why is Congress needed now, but it wasn't needed then? It doesn't even make sense, but it seems like they don't do a good enough job in pushing back on that. And there's people out there that probably think that Republicans are, are um, an obstacle in their, to getting congressional approval, and, and they're responsible for what's happening at the border. It's, it's clearly not the case. Um, we've had... I looked up the other day the average size of a U.S. state, and I want to say it was like five and a half million or six million. So we have literally increased our population larger than the average state with illegal immigrants coming into this country. And that's crazy because we know among that population, there are so many people in there that are criminals, gang members, and unfortunately, Jay, we both know terrorists. And even, um, you know, you look at the numbers of military-aged Chinese crossing the border. This isn't just letting people from Mexico in here who want to get a job. This has nothing to do with that. There, is, there are strategies out there to send these people in. From 21, we had 450 Chinese nationals attempt to cross that border. And in 23, we had over 24,000. That's not by accident. That's a strategy to send them in. And if you see the videos, and I know it's anecdotal, but if you look at the, the videos of them going down this long line of Chinese nationals who are entering, they look like soldiers. They're well, military age. Point. They even have haircuts like soldiers. It's ridiculous that we're allowing this, Jay. That's an excellent point. It's not being made enough of either. That these individuals, folks, are mainly that of male and mainly that of military age. That's an excellent point made by the captain. Uh, that's not being accentuated enough. Listen, they're coming from all lands, China especially. We've seen the uptick. Yemen, the Congo, Uzbekistan. I mean, listen, I go on and on here. Okay? Middle East. Uh, listen, they're not being vetted. They're going everywhere and anywhere. Every state is a border state. Every one of them. Uh, it's unbelievable. Montana is a border state. Idaho, a border state. It's amazing. It really is. But that's what this country now has become. And it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Uh, 
the Lake, the Lake and Riley thing uh, got to me so much. Uh, Cap, I've named it the Lake and Riley Doctrine. I'm going to throw it out all over the place. Every Democrat that comes on this show is about common sense. They must adhere. They must adhere to this and fix this. Must adhere. The Lake and Riley Doctrine. Like George Floyd, Cap, like George Floyd. You know, I want her to be the template for change. Immediately, though. Has to happen immediately. We'll see. Uh, the captain with us? Yeah. I All right, Cap, let's shift gears. Uh, let's go to the Middle East. Uh, at least 112 people were killed, hundreds of others injured in Gaza uh, after Israeli forces opened fire on Palestinians who are waiting for food. We saw the drone footage of this. Uh, Israel's military confirming its forces fired on the people but gave some different accounts of the events, saying the crowds had threatened their troops. Aid deliveries have dwindled. Uh, since Israel launched its ground offensive in Gaza, leaving many in the enclave on the brink of starvation, famine, already being reported. And uh, again, uh, we saw that uh, the thousands of Palestinians kept swarming these aid trucks. Uh, a lot of people are appalled by this. It, it's hard to comment on this from my standpoint. If you are not there physically, okay, if you're not there on the ground to witness what might have occurred here uh, to trigger this attack, that's the key here. Uh, we understand, we know it's a massive humanitarian crisis going on, but sometimes I think we also forget that Israel is in the middle of a war, okay? And the question is, can they do anything about it uh, to make sure more aid is is being put in there uh, as far as being contained to those individuals who need it. That's the big thing. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's too early now. They're going to have to investigate this. I think there is drone video footage. Um, it's the, obviously, the Israelis are saying that their troops were threatened. Um, they, I think there's talk of uh, uh, someone had a rifle. Um, they're still trying to verify this <clears throat> video footage. Um, I'm sure this investigation will go on. This is also the fog of war, you know, saying things like this could happen. I know that, you know, what we do know is these people were swarming around these aid trucks to get food. The shooting began at some point, and not only were the people, were people killed by the shooting, but then when the aid trucks tried to flee, they actually were, they hit people trying to get out of the scene. Now, I do have a Hard time believing the Israelis brought in aid trucks and said, all right, when they all gather around, let's shoot everybody. I'm pretty sure that's not what happened. Um, obviously, there's a narrative out there to make it sound like that's what happened. But unfortunately, in war, things are not always clean cut. And the fog of war occurs, and it could have, it could have been that somebody threatened them. Maybe there was a rifle. Maybe there was even shooting. We, we're going to have to wait for this to unfold. And then they responded. And when you have a group like that, that big, with soldiers who are obviously very nervous, obviously they're in a, a, a war zone right there, bad things can happen. You know, and, and obviously it did. So I think further investigation, I'm hoping that they have something that could clarify some type of a threat that might have occurred that at least initiated the response from the Israelis. And then I guess that's, you know, this is just a, 
a really horrific incident that took place, and I think that they're going to use this in a narrative to try and once again, you know, condemn the Israelis for what they're doing. This is genocide, and they're going to, at a minimum, push to have this ceasefire occur. Now, ceasefire should not occur. Shouldn't do it. People are saying this for political gain. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. Israel needs to finish this job. Otherwise, this this same damn thing is going to happen all over again. Uh, they need to finish the job somehow, some way. And I understand these people need the aid. I hope and they absolutely should get it. I think there should be more in place to make sure uh, that they get this aid uh, without confrontation, without question. But Israel, bottom line. Did not start this. They need to finish it. Hamas is deadly. They'll do it again. And they need to make a statement here. And it doesn't stop, in my estimation, with Hamas. It ends with Iran. And they need to finish this job, Cap, uh, without question. They have to. They have to finish this job. We'll see what goes on there. Now, the other thing I'm concerned about, uh, lastly here, is Putin. Because... He has made signs that he is not stopping here with Ukraine. He wants a little bit of the West. A lot of indicators involved here. A lot of indicators. Uh, he is feeling it. Uh, obviously, is fueled by weakness in the White House. I've said this all along. You notice it as well. You've stated it. But uh, there are a lot of fears as far as Putin here in his quest. Give me a sense. Yeah, we've known this since the beginning. Jay, that what his his plans are for expansion. He feels that NATO's encroached on his too close to his borders, and that he uh, it was critical for him to to try and take Ukraine, which he's still trying over two years later. Now he's still pushing for no signs of him quitting. And yesterday, as we know, he made this threat, saying basically that his nuclear forces are are ready to respond if the West were in any way to directly try and aid the Ukrainians. Um, and now what we have is this sort of stalemate here over funding for Ukraine. And there's two views. There's the view that um, no matter what, we need to give them whatever they need to make this work and have Ukraine successful. And, you know, I've said since the beginning, this is too big to fail. I feel that however it's done, Ukraine needs to be supported in a way that we cannot allow Russia to be successful. I think that'd be devastating for Europe and it'd be devastating for uh, global security. With that being said, I don't think there's been nearly enough done to pressure our allies and other countries outside of NATO to financially support Ukraine as well. We've spent so much here, and we do. There's two sides. There's two sides to the opposing argument to more funding for Ukraine. There's actually three. One of them is corruption. Right? There's a lot of people that feel they were listed not long ago as the most corrupt country in the world. I believe. So people are concerned about all the money. Is it going where it's supposed to go? Um, the other thing is forcing our uh, our allies to pay their fair share, pay more when we have a $34 trillion debt here in America. Uh, most people can't even grasp what that means. It's become white noise, but it's it, that is a national security threat, our debt, $34 trillion. And then finally, we have our own Issues here, massive national security issues right here in America, most importantly, would be what we were just discussing, the southern border. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people are like, this is crazy. We've already given far more than any other country to Ukraine, 
And and it seems like, all right, well, if America doesn't give us more money, we're going to lose. <laughs> you know, like it's all on us. And it seems like that our allies need to step up their spending. First of all, they need to step up their spending on NATO. Many of them are not reaching that 2% of GDP goal that's set for NATO. And also, they need to step up and, and spend more money to Ukraine. I mean, it's right at their doorstep, these European allies of ours, and they're not spending enough. And I, what I would say is I'm not sure if that pressure would work, but I don't even see that we've exerted it. I do not see the president demanding that our allies pay their fair share. I have not heard that once from President Biden. Um, and then, most importantly, we have our own national security issues. So I think that ultimately we should be pushing for our allies to pay more. But I also think that, again, this is too big to fail. I think we need to make smart decisions on how much we give and exactly what it's for and that it's monitored closely. And I think we're hopefully that we're going to have the rest of the EU um, assisting us in that. I agree. I agree. There's no question uh, that fair shares have to be paid. I think it's a conglomeration of effort here. We've seen very little from some of the other NATO lands. Uh, more of an effort, maybe a different president uh, will catapult some of these leaders into doing a little bit of the U.S. work, what's been displayed already. Uh, I think that will happen uh, if there's the old switcheroo here. We'll see. Uh, but right now, Putin's a threat, and more so every day as we have passed two years on this whole thing, uh, as far as this invasion uh, is concerned. Now, the cap will be with us next week, uh, a round table. I have set it for Thursday, Cap. You and Tom uh, will be two of our panel guests, brought back by popular demand. We thank you. Uh, we'll give you more details on that, folks, as we get into the shows next week. But uh, the roundtable discussion number two for the year uh, will take place in-house uh, next Thursday. And, of course, the Cap involved with a great show with Tom uh, on Saturday morning. So, right, Cap? The Captain's Brief. That's right. And uh, we look so, forward to that every week, my friend, right? Yep. We're looking forward to it. This, this Saturday, actually, we're going to replay our, our interview with Frank McKay because it was great. And it's uh, with Frank, whenever you have an interview with him, it's, you run out of time quickly because there's so much to talk about. Um, Ukraine is, is a big part of what we spoke about because, as you know, after this conflict um, began, Frank actually went to Ukraine, and he has such great stories to tell about that and an interesting perspective having been there with what's going on right now. And then next week we have a lot of great topics we're going to be talking about, and one of them is going to be uh, mental health in law enforcement, as we've had a bit of a crisis here in Suffolk County. So we're going yeah. to have some guests on to talk about that, too. And, of course, we're really looking forward to this roundtable. We've uh, grown to enjoy these, and I think that it's, such a, it's so great having a per, the perspective of so many people um, at one time. And also, we have longer to talk on those roundtables, so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. That's the cap on Saturdays uh, with Tom. Uh, Tom Evans, Captain's Brief. Don't miss it, folks. That's from 11 to 1130. Uh, and also, uh, look forward to the captain next week, a participant in the panel, as far as the roundtable is concerned. Uh, you stay well. We'll be listening tomorrow, my friend, and we shall chat. How's that? Thanks, Jay. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it all.